Welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zararis. And I know, I know, it's Wednesday, and I was going to supposed to do things Monday and Tuesday. Some shit came up, dealt with some stuff, had to get some work done for other properties, that kind of thing. Spend a glorious amount of time on Indeed and LinkedIn fishing for some more full t- something full-time in this space, so I'm not totally just working for my own health here if you get if you catch my drift but today's episode very straightforward it is year number two of me doing the upper bowl gm podcast during the nhl season of course my favorite hockey team if you even slightly know about my existence hell even if you only know me in passing you probably know me as rangers guy whether it be the fact i'm probably wearing a rangers t-shirt or the logo that's tattooed on my forearm for the rest of my life whichever one We're going to talk about the Rangers today. This is going to be a preview episode. We're going to talk about the direction of the team, what the roster is looking like right now, why Vitaly Kraftsov is the person in the right, and why the front office is wrong, why, as each day goes by, I long for Jeff Gordon, Sud's swollen face, and John Davidson's weird obsession with older players who are bad at hockey. I talked about it with Josh Califin back in June when he was on the show. I long for the days where... The team would just make small bad decisions as opposed to big bad decisions. And right now the Rangers are making a series of big bad decisions. But before I get to today's show, I do have to remind everyone to help support the show. Subscribe to the show, whatever platform you like to use to listen to podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the other major podcasting platforms. Next, interact with the show on social media, wherever you see this, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, wherever you see the show, bump it so other people can find it. Lastly, easiest one, if you are an Apple Podcast user, this is only applying to you. Please go to the show's page once you've subscribed. Scroll past our recent episodes. At the bottom, there's going to be five clear purple stars. Please hit the one furthest to the right. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. Reviews are really important. It really helps content creators out. So please, please, please take a minute to leave me a review for the Upper Bowl GM podcast here. And any other podcast you enjoy, take that 10 seconds, leave a few words, leave the five-star review. That stuff matters a lot, and it only takes a second. So please, please, please take care of that for us. I'll see you guys in one second. Well, I guess it's hockey season. And with that, we will get on into it. So the last time we saw the New York Rangers play a hockey game, it didn't matter particularly much. Several of the team's best players were injured. Jacob Truba, Chris Kreider weren't playing. But the big story, of course, was the team firing the general manager, Jeff Gordon, and president, John Davidson, with three games to go in the regular season, dismissing David Quinn as soon as the season was over, Chris Drury going from assistant general manager and in charge of the AHL Hartford Wolfpack to occupying both of those jobs, general manager and president, full-time, both. There would not be a search for a president while Drury was the GM. Drury has made a few minor front office tweaks. He's hired a new director of player personnel, someone he went to college with. He signed a new director of European scouting front office 
changes were met with nervous apprehension. There was some hope that a new general manager would be able to go past the blind spots that Gorton and Davidson obviously had, their weird fascination with bad players, just outright bad players, whether it be Brett Howden or Lieber Hayek. Hell, Adam McQuaid. Do I need to go down the list of all of the crappy guys, Jack Johnson, all of the black holes they've brought in at various points and just gave unlimited opportunities to for no real reason other than stubbornness because they had plenty of guys in the pipeline who would have at least, at the very least, you could have answered some questions about your organization because now you still have those same questions and you need all of these guys who are young to play well without a tone of experience, which is a tall ask. And that is where we're going to start this discussion. The Rangers made these moves. Every single decision they made this offseason was centered around getting this team ready to make the playoffs this year. Not next year, not maybe this year. The Rangers, full stop, expect to make the playoffs this year. So let's all write that down on October the 12th. The Rangers say they're going to be a playoff team, and that is the expectation. So at the end of the year, when they miss the playoffs and they try and move the goalposts again, they might be held accountable by somebody who's credentialed and might be able to hold someone in authority accountable because no one in the New York media wants to do that. No matter how much you try and tell me there are people out there doing good work as credentialed media, there isn't. Case in point, the Vitaly Kravtsov news. You know who broke that news? Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet in Canada. Not Larry Brooks. Not Vince Mercagliano. Not Molly Walker. Not Colin Stevenson. Not anybody from a New York publication broke that news. And then, less than 15 minutes after the news was reported that Kravtsov's agent had permission to seek a trade from another team, the Rangers had media availability. And Vince, and Molly, and Colin... And Larry Brooks, stenographered away. Everything Gerard Gallant said, they said, they wrote it, they tweeted it in quotes. No context, no pushback, no follow-up questions. If a coach is telling you a player played better than someone, even though it is not true, if you are a sports journalist, it is your professional obligation to say that is not true. I do not care how much you like them, how important your access is. Let's be frank, if a team ever, ever pulled a reporter's credential for asking difficult but fair questions, they would be ostracized by the rest of the sports media. Let's not pretend that there would be a grand reckoning that, well, coach, you know, that's not really true because X, Y, and Z. Would it kill somebody to say that one time? I have been following the Rangers consciously with like a brain and in between my ears for about 10 years now where it's been the main focus, the thing that worries me and stresses me out and gives me agita. I have been conscious of good journalistic practices since I was in high school. I, I, even I was able to interpret as, you know, a teenager when a coach, a player is just bullshitting you through their lips and smiling at you and saying, thanks for the question, even though they're not answering your question, honestly. On no planet did Drayden Hunt play better than Vitaly Krasov. I understand Vitaly Krasov only played two preseason games because he got injured. He played well in both of the games he played in, and he has upside, and you drafted him ninth overall. So let's dispel the notion that 
the media in New York is difficult because I've talked about it at nauseum. When I had Wally Matthews, who's written for the four major New York publications on, he agreed with me that there is no difficult New York media anymore. They all have their own agendas. They're all trying to advance their own personal goals, publish things to get interactions because that's where the money is. They need the advertising clicks. Nobody wants to do good journalism anymore, and it sucks. It genuinely sucks because you get situations like what's going on with the Rangers right now where everybody is... Uh, running around like the room is on fire. Someone pulled the fire alarm, the water is not coming out of the sprinklers, and the building is burning down. And Larry Brooks is writing about how the fourth line is going to be so much better this year. The team is worse than it was last year. The Rangers had no expectations going into last season, and the roster is worse. You went from having Buchnevich, Kako, and Krasov as your right-wing depth to just having Kako as your right-wing depth. Now you're going to have to play Kreider on his off wing, and you're going to rely on Sammy Blay? That, that's our depth here on the right wing? We're going to have Sammy Blay. We're going to have Ryan Reeves. We're going to have Barkley Goudreau. That's our depth on the right wing. And the Rangers tell you they're a playoff team. So when the third and fourth lines can't score any goals because they only have Philip Heedle amongst them, who's actually good at playing the puck on his stick, then I think it's time that those of us who actually do some fucking difficult work are credited here because we are telling you before the season starts, the third and fourth lines are going to have a difficult time scoring goals, period. They are. Philip is the only player in the bottom six now with anything resembling a sample size of a player who's competent at handling the puck in the offensive zone. And even if they were all good defensively, which they, which they're not, the fourth line with Reeves, Rooney, and Blay is going to be bad. Just it's going to be bad. Ryan Reeves is not an NHL hockey player anymore. At one point, he wasn't good, but he wasn't passable, but he wasn't outright atrocious at one point in his career early on where he was okay defensively. He's bad. The Rangers are going to try and prop him up, tell you this is a role model, this is a leader. This is someone who hunts other people's heads trying to give them brain damage to stay in the league. Because if he did not do that, Ryan Reeves would be retired talking about hockey on a podcast. Okay, so let's start there. They tell you they're a playoff team, but their roster doesn't resemble a playoff team. They are banking on a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old to drive this team to the playoffs. That is their grand plan. The, the hockey genius that is Chris Drury's grand plan is a 19-year, excuse me, a 20-year-old and a 21-year-old. That is the Rangers' grand plan to make the playoffs this year. Maybe the defense is a little bit better than last year, and that can make something of a difference. There are not enough goals on this team, period. I'm telling you that now before I really start to break down line by line my concerns. There will not be enough goals on this team to make the playoffs unless something dramatic happens. Unless Panarin goes Super Saiyan and goes 120 points in 82 games. If he has a Yarmir Yager-esque season, then maybe there's enough goals to get into the playoffs here. But fundamentally speaking, I do think there is a problem with the way the team is being constructed. You've heard me beat the drum all summer. You heard me. You read me right about it on Gotham Sports Network where you can find all of my Rangers work and my, my hockey work at large. The roster is being constructed with a flawed mindset. This is something I keep trying to tell people and nobody wants to listen to me. When you think about the teams that have won the Stanley Cup in the last few years, Tampa, 
the Blues, the Capitals, the Penguins. What do those teams all have in common? Depth. The ability to roll out four lines in any situation where the lines won't get caved in and three defensive pairs that won't get caved in regardless of the situation. These are teams well-stocked with quality bottom six players capable of forechecking aggressively, cycling the puck in the offensive zone, and being able to pot an occasional goal. The Penguins won a Stanley Cup with the HBK line, with Haglin, Benino, and Kessel being a driving force in that team's success. Yes, I know the first two lines had Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, and they are going to be better lines. The third line was the difference for that team. Tampa rolls. Tampa's back-to-back cup teams are the two deepest forward groups, maybe in the salary cap era. Blake Coleman is better than anybody in the Rangers' bottom six. Yanni Gord is better than anybody in the Rangers' bottom six. Ross Colton might be better than anybody in the Rangers' bottom six. Pat Maroon might be better. And I hate Pat Maroon for being the guy that hockey media is like, well, the Lightning went out and got this guy, and then they won two Stanley Cups. Let's stop, okay? Let's recognize what really happened here. Yes, Tampa Bay got went out and got some quality players to shore up their bottom six. Blake Coleman is a legitimately good player. Yanni Gord they promoted internally after being an undrafted player from the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I genuinely think people don't understand why Tampa Bay won those Stanley Cups. We're talking about a team that had two players, Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov, combined for 120 points over two postseasons. Almost two points per game from both of them over the course of two postseasons. And nobody, nobody seems to ever point it out how good they were. Why is this so difficult? Why is hockey media so bad at this? I lose my, I lose my brain cells here. I lose my mind how stupid the people who cover the NHL are. Because we know these things aren't true. The Lightning didn't win a Stanley Cup because Patrick Maroon was on the team. They won a Stanley Cup because Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point have the puck in the other team's offensive zone the entire time both of them are on the ice. I I just lose my mind at the bullshit that that people who call themselves journalists write and write seriously. Like, they're... I understand you have a professional obligation to be cordial to the people you interact with on your beat so you can develop sources and gain their trust. When someone is lying to your face, they are not being trustworthy. If a coach is lying to your face, they are not a trustworthy source. I do not understand where this this breach of psyche went for the New York sports media that was once so tough. And... I always say this, teams want your money. I have a lot of emails from the Rangers asking me to buy season tickets. I have several phone calls from the Rangers trying to get me to buy season tickets to this team, saying, get it on the ground floor. We're building something special. Well, this is what you got. I I started writing about this, and then I saw the Kraftsoft news, and I got too mad, so I stopped writing about it. But this is your group. If you think the Rangers can win a Stanley Cup, this is your group. You are capped out. 
you have seven million dollars to play with for this the 2021 2022 season that will end in early june that is how much cap space you have between now and then after that it's gone because you gave it all to Mika Zabinijad. That is where this problem starts. Philosophically, big picture, the Rangers are too stubborn to do things the right way. I talked about this on the Ice Cold Takes podcast last weekend over the weekend. They were nice enough to have me over there. The Rangers desperately want credibility. They want other teams around the league. James Dolan wants the rich people he hangs out with to recognize how good he is at building a great hockey team. That he's tired of his rich friends asking him, well, how come the Rangers aren't in the playoffs if you have the eighth most expensive player in the entire league in Panarin? Well, that's the reason they fired Dolan and Gorton. Excuse me, that's the reason Dolan fired Gorton and Davidson. They, the Wilson incident was probably the igniting moment that pushed Dolan over the edge. But for all intents and purposes, we can say this was definitely some rich person making an offhanded comment to Dolan about why the Rangers hadn't been the playoffs in a few years. And he took it personally, and they've overcompensated. But this goes back even earlier than this. This includes the Gorton and Davidson regimes and includes Sather before them. The Rangers do not develop talent well. Who is the best player to come through the Rangers organization during Sather's time? Adam Fox, I'm not counting, because Adam Fox came into the league and was already awesome. He did not do time in the AHL. He was not developed. He was already good, and he learned on his feet. Chris Kreider? JT Miller? Maybe Ryan McDonough, because he did a stint in the AHL before he became a full-timer with the Rangers. It's one of those three guys. They have not developed any leaders. I talked about this in depth on the Ice Cold Takes and why I was okay with the team not naming a captain. There isn't a captain on this team, period. You saw how last season went. You saw how the year before that went. You saw the year before that went. Those were teams without direction from the coaching staff or the veterans on the team. The front office threw a bunch of kids in a locker room, grabbed some veterans just to fill out the roster, had a few guys left over from the previous iteration of the team, the Zabinijads, the Criders, the older guys, the guys who've been here a few years, and said, we'll figure it out later. we got to get as much talent in here as possible, and if the team works, the team works. But they got as many picks as they could. They brought in Hedl, they brought in Anderson, and they never did anything to make sure these kids succeeded. And it's why... Going into this season, you have so many question marks. You had question marks going into the season regardless, but the Rangers' total inability to just be patient and wait is why they are in this mess. This is going to sound weird coming out of my mouth. The Rangers probably should not have signed Artemi Panarin. And this is not a criticism of Panarin or the Rangers getting him. When a a special player becomes available like that, you sign them, And you say, we'll figure out the rest later, but we can't miss an opportunity to get this guy. But remember, in 2018, when that season, the 2017-2018 season started, that Rangers team expected to make the playoffs. It had made the playoffs the year before. It went to the second round and lost to an inferior Ottawa team because they were outcoached. They started out the year 2-8 in 2017-2018. They blew it up at the deadline. Had the really lean year of 2018-2019. They trade Hayes, trade Zuccarello. 2019, they trade for Truba. 
They trade for Fox. They sign Panarin. They draft Kako. And they say, all right, we're ready. We're ready. They struggle mightily defensively. They do not play particularly well. They have a good month from February to March of that year. Then Kreider breaks his foot against the Flyers. They lose two games in a row to the Flyers. They go to Colorado. They almost beat Colorado, but they lose in overtime. Pandemic pause. Carolina smokes them, runs them off the ice. The Rangers look like the worst team in the entire bubble. They win the lottery. They drop Lafreniere. And they've been desperately trying to sell you that they are ready to compete. They went out and got all these guys from other teams that have actually won things, like Goudreau from the Lightning, Reeves, who's been on Vegas teams that went kind of far, Sammy Blay, who was on the Cup team. He it played nine minutes a game, but the Rangers are going to keep telling you, yeah, he was, a, he was important. He knows what it takes to win a Stanley Cup, even though he played nine minutes a game. The Rangers desperately want credibility. It's why they went out and got all these older guys. So they can point to people who are on the fence, to the older people, to the Facebook user. That is the type of team the Rangers have assembled here. A team that will appeal to the Facebook comment section. The type of people who have the American flag as their profile picture. The people who are wearing Oakleys in their profile picture. That is who the Rangers are trying to appeal with with the decisions they've made this offseason. Because those are the people who have money. Those are the people who will buy season tickets even though the team is actually not going to be that good. That is where my frustration starts, and I know I'm kind of all over the place here because I, I, I get so mad talking about this that I've strayed off of my outline, but we'll circle back around, circle back around. They gave Zabinijad all, they gave Zabinijad the extension. I disagree with it. I understand why they did it. I, I started writing about it like I was saying, and they're using very curated language to talk about Zabinijad, that he came to New York and he found his home that he emerged as a superstar once he got here. For a few years there, the Rangers traded off anything with any semblance of value, whether it be McDonough, Miller, Nash, Hayes, Zuccarello. And then, and then, they give Kreider that extension, and that's the moment where everybody's kind of looking at each other like, he's old, what are you guys doing? And the Rangers said, well, we, we, we've... Taken away from the core of the team for too long. It's time we start actively building up the roster. And that was the moment you realized there was not a plan. That they were just throwing things at the team, putting guys on the roster, and worrying about it later. It's why the Leas Anderson situation never worked. It's why they never gave him an opportunity to succeed. A guy you draft 7th overall, you cannot just give up on. That is where this starts. You give up on a seventh overall pick who tells the media in his native country that someone in the locker room or within the organization was giving him a hard time. It was described as bullying. And the Rangers said, no, we did an investigation. We didn't find anything. And that was the end of it. That was the end of it. Rick, Larry, Vince, they all packed up their bags. They said, we did our job. John Davidson said we didn't find anything. Well, shit, maybe if you got two top 10 picks in a four-year period frustrated enough that they want to leave the organization, maybe you're not doing something right. And you know how I know I'm right about this? I talk about it pretty often when it comes to the lack of leadership, but remember when Tony D'Angelo punched Alexander Georgiev in the face? He got put on waivers. 
Nobody picked him up, and the Rangers just sent him to New Jersey and told him don't come back ever. D'Angelo did not make a smart-ass comment after a loss for the first time that particular night against Pittsburgh. Anybody who's heard D'Angelo speak or knows how he uses social media is fully aware that this guy is an ass. And everybody knows this type of person in their personal life. The type of person who's always got to get the last word in, who's always got to say something sarcastic, who's always got to be pushing buttons because they think it's the funniest thing in the world. A real leader, whether it be the coach, David Quinn, or someone else in that room, at some point in the previous two years D'Angelo was on the team, needed to say, Tony, shut the fuck up. Do not talk to other people on this team like that. You might think it's funny, but at some point it's going to push someone the wrong way. Nobody stepped up and did that. He kept being a sarcastic asshole with impunity. He got punched in the face for it, and the organization had to eat $4 million of dead cap on last year's team and then wave him and get nothing for him, even though he was a restricted free agent the previous offseason. And they could have just let him walk for nothing, not given him any money, left him non-tendered, or they could have traded him for a bag of chips. Trading him for a bag of chips would have been better than leaving him uh, on in New Jersey and putting him on waivers at the end of last season and then buying him out. There are no leaders on this team. The Rangers do not know how to identify leadership. They said they did. They drafted Leah Anderson because this guy was captain material, and now he's in another team. That is where I get so mad with this team because there is no plan. They are throwing shit at the wall year to year and trying to take shortcuts. It's why they went out and got Reeves, Goudreau, and Blay. And Nemeth, for that matter. I keep I always forget to put Nemeth in this rant. I always forget to put Nemeth in this rant. Because the team has a total inability to develop talent, they always have to pay more than they need to for players. They desperately needed a number one defenseman. It's why they overpaid Truba. They figure, we need some grit. We need some grit. They overpay for Nemeth. They overpay for Ryan Reeves. They overpay for Barkley Goudreau. All trying to get credibility from this phantom existence that's out there. Whether it's the old people in hockey media like Larry Brooks and the other rich people James Dolan hangs out with. Those are the people these moves are to impress. If they were trying to actually impress the fan base, they could win some hockey games. And that is... That is where my frustration really, really stems from. The Rangers tell you to your face they expect to make the playoffs and we're making the best decisions possible to win every single night, and that is not true. If you were, you would have figured out a way to make things work with the guy you drafted ninth overall instead of demoting him to the AHL because you wanted to protect a roster spot for Lieber Hayek in case you could get something for him. Let me tell you something, Chris Drury. Lieber Hayek is atrocious. Genuinely one of the worst NHL regulars I've ever seen. Especially since I started writing about hockey, using data analysis to get a better understanding of the game, and going back to watch games on tape. He cannot skate. He cannot receive a pass. He cannot send a pass. He does not play angles well. He has no shot. He is not overly physical. He cannot knock people off of the puck. Yes, you sunk an asset into him three years ago. You drafted Kraftsoft ninth overall, and you still insisted on, well, in case we can get something for Hayek, let's keep him up here and we'll send Kraftsoft back down, even if we're going to call him up by Thursday. 
At some point, you got to stop moving the goalposts. The Rangers have kept moving the goalposts. The media has allowed them to keep moving the goalposts. And it might, it might drive me insane. And I might be the only person who's using their thinking cap and being an adult and not resorting to the straw man arguments you're seeing all over the place, not resorting to the, well, if you're so smart, how come you aren't in the NHL? Not bootlicking, not any of that crap. I'm being 100%, no agendas, no ulterior motives. I just want to see the team win. And that is the thing. We all should be on the same page here. We should all be wanting our team held accountable for bad decisions because our team expects us to pay ridiculous amounts of money to see them in person, to buy the jerseys, and all of that stuff. The Rangers constantly talk about how there's no experience like Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden sucks. It is overcrowded. The seats are awful. You are knee-to-knee with people if you are a grown adult. The concourses are small and overcrowded, and not enough stations are ever open. The lines are too long. I hate everything that the Rangers are coming to represent, both as just a beacon to rich douchebags wearing their Patagonia vest over their work shirts, and all of that crap. I don't care. I just want to win. That's all I want from the team, is to win. Chris Drury has done nothing to prove he knows what it takes to win, and they just gave him the keys. I didn't think Jeff Gordon and John Davidson were that good at their jobs, but at least I knew they weren't painfully stupid like Chris Drury is. Chris Drury is painfully stupid. Painfully stupid. And then he's got the balls to lie to your face. That is the thing I do not understand. The team is lying to your face through the media. And people are just, that's my favorite team. They know what's best. I can never understand the people who are just willfully ignorant. The lineup is worse than the team they dressed last year. They had Brett Howden and Jack Johnson on the team opening night last year. And the team is worse this year. The team is worse this year. They had two of the worst players in the entire league in their starting lineup last year opening night. And the lineup is worse. They're going to dress Tenorti and Nemeth as the third pair. And they're going to have Reeves out there chasing around Wilson to fight. And Wilson's not going to fight him. That's the thing. Wilson is the perfect antagonist in the modern NHL because he just won't engage. He'll get Reeves to take the instigating penalties two or three times. They'll throw Reeves out of the game, and the Capitals will win. That's the thing that everybody keeps harping on about. Well, they needed some toughness for when they play the Capitals. They play the Capitals four times a year. You don't build a whole team in an 82-game season for four games a year. And the Rangers did it anyway. They got a bunch of guys who have no discernible puck skills. They got guys who belong in 2008. If you put Ryan Reeves on the 2008 Rangers, nine-year-old me would have been, okay, he punches people. He can't do anything in the offensive zone. I'd like to see Ryan Reeves string together a cycle in the offensive zone with Kevin Rooney and Sammy Blay. (sighs) All right, deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. I'm almost done. I know this has been a totally incoherent rant, but just... 
big picture wise, we're going to say talent wise, the Islanders are probably better. The Hurricanes are probably better. Philadelphia, Washington, Pittsburgh might be better. Columbus and the Devils are not. The Rangers will be in the mix this season because the rest of the division is going to beat up on each other. The Flyers, Washington, the Islanders, Capitals. No, I said the Capitals. The Penguins. The the middle here is... The soggy middle of this division is going to beat up on each other. Pittsburgh is going to be without Crosby or Malkin for a little bit. Washington's going to be without Backstrom or Ovechkin for at least a couple of games. Backstrom seems to be the longest. Ovechkin... Excuse me. Ovechkin should be ready within a couple days. Probably will play opening night, but as I'm recording this, he's still listed as questionable, so we don't know yet. The Rangers' hope here is... They sneak into the playoffs this year as one of the wild cards, maybe the three seed in the Metro division. And then the real problem is going to prop up that I keep talking about. In the playoffs in this NHL, you need enough guys that can score the puck. I talked about the HBK line. I talked about the Gord, Goudreau, Coleman line. Look at the team's that look good going into the playoffs every year. The Bruins, the Golden Knights, the Avalanche, the Maple Leafs. The teams that we think are pretty good in the regular season, but you know what happens when they come up against teams that actually have four lines capable of scoring? The top lines cancel each other out. The Austin Matthews against the top line of the other team, those two cancel each other out. And then it comes down to the bottom sixes to make up the scoring difference. I will take the team with the skilled bottom six over the gritty bottom six any day of the week. Everybody points to the Goudreau-Gord-Coleman line as the gold standard for a third line. Those guys are gritty and can actually play hockey. The three of those guys are good at forcing turnovers, clamping down on the forecheck, turning the other team over, cycling the puck, incorporating the defenseman, all the stuff you want from a third line, they are good at. I don't know if Sammy Blay and Barkley Goudreau are going to be able to do that with Filipino. I said it the day they gave Goudreau that contract. The Rangers are going to try and make a Walmart version of the Gord Goudreau Coleman line and then be stupefied when it doesn't work. And let's see. We've got Heedle in the Yanni Gord role. Heedle does not play that kind of game that Gord does where he's going to be able to force turnovers and be physical even though he is getting bigger. He's not a defensive center. He's a puck handling center. Nobody on this team resembles Blake Coleman's skill profile. If you wanted to say Chris Kreider... Maybe, but then who goes to the first line to play with Zabinijad and Lafreniere? They're already moving Kreider to his off-wing to play with them because they are too stupid to use Vitaly Kravtsov. When the Rangers get to a playoff series against the Islanders, Carolina, one of the good teams in the East. Tampa, the Rangers could see because of the way the wild cards work, where it would be against the higher or lower, depending on which division, that best record, that stuff, which we won't know for a while. But we're assuming the Rangers are going to be fighting to get in, so they're going to be one of the lower seeds, and they're going to play someone with a more well-rounded team, and this bottom six is going to be bad. 
Look what happened to the Penguins last year in the first round against the Islanders when their bottom six could not score at all. The same thing happened to the Bruins against the Islanders. And then you know what happened when the Islanders finally met a team that had a better third and fourth line than them? They lost. That is where my frustration stems from. We know, we know you want to have guys who can score more than you want to have guys who can hit. The reason teams have these lines that can hit is because they are inexpensive. If there was no salary cap, you could have an entire lineup of guys who could score goals, and everybody would do that. But because there's a salary cap, you have to try and cheat your way around that. You do that by getting guys who forecheck aggressively, who play strong defense. Offense is always going to be more valuable than defense because you cannot win a game 0-0. You always will at some point need to be able to score at least one goal to win. If your fourth line, if your third line cannot chip in the occasional goal, your team is not well constructed. Period. Just flat out period. Your team is not well constructed. I don't care how good your top six is. Look at the Maple Leafs, okay? I know a lot of Ranger fans are going to say, you don't know what you're talking about. The Rangers top six is better than the Leafs top six. It isn't. If you want to say Matthews and Panarin is a push, I wouldn't agree with you. I think Matthews is better, but... Okay, we'll say that's a push. Marner's better than Zabinijad, period. Not, not, not a shadow of a doubt in my mind, Mitch Marner is a better hockey player than Mika Zabinijad. No doubt in my mind. Willie Nylander or Ryan Strom? Who are you taking? John Tavares or Chris Kreider? Who are you taking? That's what it comes down to here. And very soon, the Rangers are going to get squeezed like the Leafs. You know how the Leafs had to trade Connor Brown, they lost Zach Hyman, they had to trade Kasperi Kapanen. The Rangers are going to have to do that with one of these young guys that they drafted very highly because they gave Zabinijad all that money. They are going to have to trade, whether it be Orion Lindgren. They might have to trade somebody who is important, like a Philip Heedle, because Heedle is too good and makes too much money so they can afford to keep Kako and Lafreniere. And very, very quickly here, the Rangers are going to end up with four players making $40 million. That is the thing here. That's part of the criticism of the Leafs roster construction that a lot of people have is you can't have $40 million tied up in just four players. The four players for the Leafs being Tavares, Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. The Rangers have 11.5 in Panarin. They're going to have 8.5 in Zabinijad. There's 19 and a half. Fox is getting nine. It's 28. Truba, another eight. That's 36. Kreider, six and a half, six and three quarters, I believe. You already have $43 million for five players. One of those guys is maybe as good as the two guys, as the two best players on the Leafs, and that's Panarin. Panarin is probably as good as Austin Matthews and probably better than Marner. Nobody else in the Rangers' big four is as good as someone in the Leafs' big four. And look at how the Leafs' big four has fared in these playoff series. Those top lines don't score goals. Marner has been maligned for not scoring a goal in that series against Montreal last year. Matthews only had a couple. I believe Matthews had two goals. He was playing with a little bit injured, but the expectation was he'd be able to take over that ga those games against Montreal because they were an inferior team. Montreal was able to cancel them out. And bleed them out over time with four lines playing a balanced team. B 
being better than the third and fourth lines of the Leafs. And the Rangers' third and fourth lines aren't god-awful. This is not going to be like 2018-2019 where they were just bringing guys in off the street to fill out that fourth line, bringing up AHL guys, guys like Brett Howden playing every single game. It's not the worst third and fourth line in the league. It's just that they're telling you they're a playoff team. And when you look at the third and fourth line on this team, it is not as good as the ones of the teams who are genuine contenders. And I want people to wrap their heads around this, that it is okay to criticize your favorite team. It is okay that your team makes you angry. They do not always know what is best just because they have experience in hockey. Look at some of the moves that Chris Drury has made. He has traded his best two-way forward, Buchnevich, for a player who plays nine minutes a game in Sammy Blay. He gave $3.75 million over six years to Barkley Goudreau, the worst player on a good third line. He gave a draft pick away and gave Ryan Reeves another year on a contract before even seeing him play as a 34-year-old. Ryan Reeves is going to be 35 years old at the start of next season, and the Rangers already have him locked up. They have to pay him that deal. They signed Nemeth for three years with a no-move clause. He has to play. That is the thing here. If you're telling me this guy knows what he's doing, then what's the plan? Is it for the first and second line to score all of the goals and the team to win that way? Because we know that's not a serious plan. Look at the Avalanche in the playoffs the last two years. Look at the Vegas Golden Knights in the last two years. Those are not serious paths to contention. If your third and fourth line cannot chip in an occasional goal, you are not good enough to win a Stanley Cup. And the Rangers swear they're good enough to win a Stanley Cup. And they're lying to your face. And people are defending it. There are people out there on Al Gore's internet vigorously defending that the Rangers are better right now than they were going into opening night last year. Even though they traded away their best two-way player, even though the best defensive prospect they have, Niels Lundqvist, isn't going to play on opening night because they want to fight Tom Wilson, they're going to tell you the team is better than it was at the start of last season because they took out Hayek and they took out Brett Howden. They're wrong. Just full stop, they're wrong. At some point, People need to wake up and realize that the Rangers are not a well-run team. The team has won one Stanley Cup since World War II. One Stanley Cup since World War II. Maybe it's time to admit your favorite team doesn't know what it's doing. I know I'm being dramatic. I know. You're always so negative. Every single move the team makes you hate. They're bad moves. Do you want to see a team win a Stanley Cup before you die? That is the question I have for every single snarky person who comes into my replies of anything I write or anything I tweet. Would you like to see a Stanley Cup before you die? If so, complain about your team, embarrass the team, make the team make changes. For the love of God, it is not that hard to get a team to react. Stop showing up when the team sucks. And note, the Rangers had a hard time selling tickets last year and the year before that. They are desperate to get back season ticket holders because they haven't made the playoffs in a number of years. And they're going all out to make the playoffs to try and get people and companies to buy corporate seats again. Because they haven't made the playoffs in a few years, companies stop renewing the corporate seats, which is the real moneymaker and what the Rangers really care about, to be honest with you. They don't give a shit about the casual fan experience. 
It's about getting the corporate seats renewed because they can sell those in bulk and those are more expensive. Nothing the Rangers do is catered for the casual fan who goes to like two or three games a year because it means that much to them. They don't care about them. They haven't in a long time and they probably won't ever again because the rich people's seats are worth more money to them and they can keep lowering, raising the prices of the the less expensive seats to the point where it is where it is now, where the face value on upper bowl seats are like $90, $100 against bad teams. And people will still go because there is enough people like me who still stupidly care, who will suck it up and pay that fee a couple times a year because they love, they love the Rangers with every fiber of their being and just want to see them do well. And that's the thing, man. I'm not negative because it's fun to be negative. I'm negative because I'm telling the truth. The roster is less talented. The season is going to come down to Kako and Lafreniere producing points at a rate that, you know, a McDavid would at 19 or 20 years old, that a Marner or a Matthews did early in their career. You have no indication Lafreniere or Kako are ready to do that right now. Kako looks pretty good. He played really well last year, but had bad finishing luck with his line mates. Very low on-ice shooting percentage. Very poor uh, finishing from the Rangers the last couple seasons. Last year, no different, and probably will continue to be the case because the team's main play drivers are still the same guys. It's still going to be Ryan Strom. It's still going to be Kreider. It's still going to be Zabinian. I want to see the Rangers do well, man. I really, really, really want to see the Rangers do well. I don't have high hopes this year. I expect to be a fringe playoff team. Maybe get in. Absolute, like, best case scenario if everything goes right is you get in, you get a lucky draw, you play a weak team in the first round, you get to the second round, and then you get stomped by a team that could actually win the Stanley Cup. That's, like, your absolute best case scenario with the core the Rangers currently have assembled. All right, that was 45 minutes of me rambling angrily and repeating myself a lot. Hockey's back. I, I've been watching. I watched the Penguins blow out the Lightning without Sitter Malkin, which was very funny. Uh, the Kraken Vegas Golden Knights game just started, so I'll watch that. The Rangers are on TNT tomorrow. The league is billing this up like it's going to be an episode of Monday Night Raw in the late 90s where Stone Cold's going to show up and stunner everybody in existence, where The Rock is going to come out and hit someone with a chair. That's what the NHL is billing this up as, as an bl- impending bloodbath where you're going to see fights at the draw like it did the first game last year after Tom Wilson ragdoll Panarin. The NHL knew what was going to happen, could have prevented all of that, could have prevented all of that brain damage that happened just to prove a point, but nah, they had to let everybody go and bash each other's heads in because they needed viewers to watch NBCSN because nobody watched NBCSN. With all of that said, I will see you guys tomorrow. I will open it up do big picture NHL, bounce around from team to team, talk a little bit about every team. Friday, we'll do NFL, do a little college. We'll have some fun. The show is not always going to be this miserable. I promise I will not just whine about the Rangers 50 minutes a week. I promise, I promise, I promise. And if I do, I'll have a guest, so that way it's at least not just my voice complaining. All right, I will see you guys tomorrow. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Have a good one. (laughs) 